0: Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom
1: all right Shabbat, Shalom everyone I'm glad all of you guys are here. so um, let me open in prayer and then we can get into the study of where where we were at okay Father, Yahweh, we give you great thanks Father we thank you for another wonderful Shabbat. We thank you for um, your your words, your your spirit and the empowerment from your spirit to to go out and just uh, live these righteous lives, Father, that you are directing us to. We thank you again for um, all that you've done for us. And, Father, we look forward to hearing and being empowered by you in this study. We thank you again because of the blood of your son, Yahshua. Amen. Well, Shabbat Shalom. I'm glad all of you guys are here today. And it is a nice day. So... Um, and those online, I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, um, and, and those online, and uh, thank you. You can always leave a message or uh, drop us a line. That would be wonderful. Uh, a thumbs up, that type thing. That would be great as well, too. And, and, too, you can go to livingmessiah.com, and you can always donate there because any, any bit always helps and it is appreciated. So, as usual with our comments, Paul has the mic, so as we get into it, if you have any comments, just raise your hand, the mic will, uh, Paul will find uh, his way to you, and what we just ask, be on point of what we're talking about, and let's not try to get too far ahead of the text, if not ahead of the text at all, that way we can all learn uh, as we go at the same pace, okay? So, we obviously, we're still in the chapter three, and it's an awesome chapter because there's a lot here. Uh, we have been um, looking at the idea of, of the voice of the Spirit, okay? That this, uh, the, um, the Spirit goes where it chooses, and those who are born again, okay? Those who are born again are those who respond to that voice, but respond in obedience, Okay? Because it reads this way, what we read last week, or what we are looking at, the spirit, or, or the spirit, or the wind breeze where it wishes, and you hear the sound of its voice, but do not know where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who has been born of the spirit, or has been born again. Okay. So let's continue with this conversation that Yeshua is having with Nicodemus here. Um, it plays a part, really in um, a lot that's going to happen here as well, okay? So, in um, a lot of it, uh, you'll see, maybe uh, maybe that statement will make uh, sense a little bit later on, and I'll point that out to you. So, well, I, where I want to start is, is John 3. Um. Let's go down to 12, because we had read a lot of that last week, and there's no point of really going over and over and over that point. So if we go down to 12, if you do not uh, believe when I speak to you about earthly matters, and again, he's talking to Nicodemus um, uh, about that idea, born again, we went over that, uh, uh, you know. Um, But he's using... He's using this concept here about about earthly matters in a comparison. And I think it's going to be really interesting because I want to show you something here. So if you do not believe when I speak to you about earthly matters, how are you going to believe when I speak to you about the heavenly matters or the spiritual things? Okay? That's another way of understanding that concept. And no, um, and no one has gone up into the heavens except he who has come down from the heavens, the son of Adam. This son of Adam, remember, uh, is the only title that Yeshua used for himself, okay? There other titles that are being thrown around, but they were all what other people were saying. Yeshua himself always used this particular title of son of Adam or son of man, then it goes on, and as Moses, or Moshe, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the son of Adam has to be lifted up. Okay, so what I want to look at here is this idea about earthly. If you really, uh, I, I, what I see Yeshua is saying right here is, you know, if you can't understand the earthly things, the things that are written in black and white, all right, the Bible... The Tanakh, okay? Because remember, the New Testament isn't written at this point. So I would say, if you can't understand the things that are written black and white, how can you be spiritual? If you can't follow the things in black and white, how can you be a spiritual person or proclaim that you are some kind of a spiritual person? Because the, the, the simple things that are written there are earthly. They're the simple things in front of our eyes daily,
2: Okay? Yes, Joe. Okay, this um, thing with Nicodemus last, last Shabbat, I was uh, going to ask a question. Okay. Okay, uh, in uh, verse 2 he says, Rabbi, we know that you were sent from Elin. Well, how did he know that? And who are the we? Were they the Pharisees? Yes. Also, and then... Uh, Nicodemus has the physical and the spiritual. He doesn't know which side is what or whatever. But then he, uh, he says, uh, further down in the context, uh, but you do not know where it comes or where it goes, talking about the wind. But yet, uh, Yeshua is telling him about the spiritual thing, but for in his mind, he cannot grasp because he keeps looking at the physical part of that, but then going back to verse 2 again, we know how did he know uh, that uh, he that Ashuah was sent from God and all these other things. Well, um, I mentioned last
1: week where I believe uh, Nicodemus really knew what was going on when he was sitting and talking to Yeshua. and we see, um, because the way he was coming, because we know you do these things we know you're from elohim because of what you do okay so they knew the things that he was done, has done the signs he he was doing that only if elohim was with him that these would happen okay so he 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 really knew who yeshua was and what i put forth last week was it was um, and this is com- my complete opinion again is in that dialogue right there that's going on uh, especially because it says we, he was going um, going to Yeshua knowing that possibly that he is the Messiah, but he should come to the council of the Pharisees to be approved, to be such one, to do those actions, okay? And I don't want to belab- belabor that too much more because um, I do want to go forward here in the story, but some of that plays a part. Paul?
3: Yeah, I don't, I don't want to dive too deep into this, but Ecclesiastes 11 is very similar to what you're reading there. It says uh, in verse 5, just as you do not know the path of the wind and how bo- bones are formed in the womb of a pregnant woman, so you do not know the activity of Elohim who makes all things. So it's very similar. It's talking about birth. It's talking about not knowing the path of the wind or uh, the ruach is the actual word that's used there. But um, so it, it, this is something that's also found in the Tanakh, so you can find it in more than one place. Yes, thank you, Paul.
1: Yes, and that's what I do want to emphasize all the time, because the New Testament is not written yet, so all of this going on is all based on everything that's been uh, said in the past. So this idea, I, I want to go back to this earthly idea, like I was saying, you know, Um, about the earthly matters, those things right in front of you, the written text itself, okay? Because if you can't understand the written, if you can't understand, let's say, the Torah or the Bible, how can you be a spiritual person? Because that's the foundation right there. And I'm think about this, okay? Because even in 1 Corinthians, it says this. The spiritual, ho- however, was not first, but the natural, and afterwards, the spiritual. Now, uh, the context in uh, 1 Corinthians is a little bit different. It's talking about the first, first Adam and the second Adam. But I believe I can apply that same principle here in that aspect, at least how Messiah is saying if you can't understand the earthly the natural things how are you going to understand the heavenly things the spiritual things all right which actually that's pretty uh, that's that is for our benefit cuz what that what that does mean that you got you got plenty of people i'm sure you know all through the internet and so on and so on proclaiming very great spirituality okay giving prophecies and stuff like that but the thing is they're not following any of the very written stuff down, all right? So they're going to, and what that does is it makes us, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Accountable to each other because we, we all have it. So someone can talk spiritual. oh, the spirit led me to do this and that. And if it's contrary to what's written down, you know it's not the spirit of Elohim. It's quite clear, Okay so um this idea oh here the son of adam this terminology i was talking about this is the second and third time it's used here in the book of john okay that's just a little trivia thing okay which they add up after a while you think wow wow that's interesting so now the natural to teach the spiritual that's what i want to focus on that's what i've been saying here right so moses and the serpent This idea is right after this, about Moses and the serpent, okay? The Son of Man must be lifted up in the same manner. So what I believe we have here, or I'd like to present to you, is an earthly example of something spiritually. But we cannot um, void out the natural or the physical that's going on. So let me show you what I'm talking about here. We're going to go to numbers because he talks about this serpent being lifted up, and what I've been doing all week is like, okay, why? I'm sure in the past uh, many of us, oh, we see, we see, uh, we see Yeshua who eventually is impaled on a, a stake and lifted up, just like the serpent in the wilderness, and we somewhat leave it at that, right? We just oh yeah we see what we see what Jesus said oh yeah I, we see that and we see we know the New Testament we know uh, uh, Messiah is one of his great missions that he are uh, missions that he did and he completed his death and resurrection. But what I think has happened or what I believe happens is not going back to the natural. A lot of stuff gets left behind. So I want to go to this story. Okay. So in Numbers uh, 21, this is the, the story. Uh, I got a little bit before 1 here. Okay, what happens right before verse 1 here? Uh, some, let me see, what is it? Uh, a, king, uh, a king rises uh, who dwelt in the south, a Canaanite king. And Israel's there, and Israel goes to Elohim, Yahweh, and says, you know what, if you hand them over into our hands, we will... Put under the ban or devote everything that we get from this enemy and give it to you. And it says that Yahuwah answered Israel and they overcame their enemy that day. And obviously, they must have donated or uh, devoted everything just like they commanded. Now, we're going to go to verse 4. And they departed from Mount Hor by the way of the Sea of the Reeds to go around the land of Edom. But the being of the people grew impatient because of the way. I have that highlighted because I think we all struggle with the impatience of the way. But then it goes on. And the people spoke against Elohim and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? "...for there is no food and no water, and our being loathes this light bread." And Yahweh sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Then the people came to Moses and said, "...we have sinned, for we have spoken against Yahweh and against you. Pray to Yahweh to take away the serpents from us." So Moses prayed on behalf of the people... And this is the response from the Most High, and Yahweh said to Moses, "Make a fiery serpent, or bron- or not bronze, coppery is the actual idea uh, is the metal being used here, I believe. So make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live." So Moses made it a copper serpent and put it on a pole. And it, became, and it came to be, if the serpent had bit anyone, then he looked at the copper serpent, he lived. So there's a lot here. And like I said, I think it gets overlooked. Because we just, oh, we see the comparison that Messiah is making. Because most of the time, uh, uh, and me too... We've come from the New Testament aspect of things, and we just look at this as a confirmation. Oh, yeah, Messiah was raised up. But we are leaving a lot behind here. So, first of all, let's go to because of the way. Because of the way. Because of the journey, because of their life, because of where they're at. That's no different than us today. We can't. We're on the same journey, okay? We are on a way, okay? So let's not grow impatient. We can't grow impatience. And then obviously, okay, I'm gonna, this might be a stupid question, but we just read it. Who sent the snakes? Was it the devil, the Hasatan? No, it was Yahweh. He sent the snakes. Hmm. And did you notice anything? The people, they prayed to Moses, we messed up. They knew instantly they messed up. Not only they were speaking against Moses, they spoke against the Most High. Okay? And we'll talk about the bread here in a little bit that they loathe. So, real quick, what's the context? Messiah is using this example of a people complaining, right? And by the way, this is the 14th time that they complained by my counting. And after this complaint, there's no more. For instance, he has uh, this 14th time was the final time. You never hear them complain again. So in some ways, we could say the father sent a final solution to the problem. He sent snakes to bite the people and to kill them because of where they're at. Now, the snakes wasn't taken away. They prayed, hey, Moses, yeah, he lifted, the, you know, have them take the snakes away. The father responded, no, I'm not going to take them away, but I am going to give you something to look at. So he didn't answer the people in that manner, okay? Maybe he knows humanity. It's like, and maybe what we see in Yeshua is the final Answer. The final hope is Yeshua. Okay? But did you notice by him sending these snakes? That was his response. Now here's the other huge context that gets avoided. Yeshua is using this, and remember, the New Testament isn't written. And I've showed you everywhere that Yeshua, whatever Yeshua did, he did because his father told him. Okay? So they're complaining on the way here again for the 14th time. They're sent this final solution and guess what, do, what what's something else that does not disappear here. Or let me put it this way. What is something else that's not done away with because of the serpent being lifted up? Just like Yeshua is going to be lifted up too. The Torah and the commandments they have <laughs> they don't go away as soon as the serpent was lifted up if messiah is like being used as a comparison messiah is being lifted up just like those serpents are, uh, this serpent being lifted up the torah is still in play meaning his commandments are still at hand they're still are to be needed to be obeyed they don't change they don't go away when yeshua is lifted up in that same manner and those of humanity look upon that sign for life, it doesn't make that
4: go away. Job in verse eight, uh, when uh, they were told that when you look at <clears throat> excuse me when you look at the the pole, the copper serpent on the pole, you'll be saved. Now, as an act of free will, because they when maybe some of them didn't look okay and then uh it's like in the new testament we look at the cross we believe that uh, hashua died on the cross and the parallel when we look at that and accept what hashua did on the cross then we'll be alive we'll be saved
1: yes i uh thank you joe and that's great to point that out so and that's what i'm saying Yeshua is making this comparison so let's make it a fair comparison let's go back like i'm trying to do here and look at what happened in that story because that is truth that is what that's the natural okay that's the natural and we're not going to understand any kind of spiritual walk if we don't get the simplicity of that story straight so like i said what's the context of the story So the comparison uh, that we must, or or in that context, we must bring the Torah or the instructions, the commandments into the story. We must make a fair analysis of the earthly example that is being used here, okay? Now, I'm going to go back up to, our beings loathe this bread, And looking at this, and when I did look at it in the Hebrew, it's kind of interesting. Basically, our beings, we dreaded this light bread. Who's the light bread? Okay, remember, I know we're in this story, but Yeshua's made this comparison, and he's also, we know, he's made the comparison that he is the manna from heaven, because it's talking about manna here. So the people are loathing this bread. So, let's just say, if they didn't loathe this bread, Yahshua, who is the Torah, who is the commandments, if they didn't loathe the law, they wouldn't be in the predicament of complaining and having serpents in their life. So, our beings loathe this light bread. So, obviously, the Torah is the bread. And it's actually, it's like... eh, It's just not, they dread this, they loathe it. It, There's other words that actually it gets translated as, this worthless bread. We loathe these worthless commandments that you have put upon us. And nowadays it's, oh, we loathe those Jewish commandments, okay, which is incorrect, but we loathe that law of the Lord. You know, those Old Testament things, we loathe that. It's worthless. This word being used here actually is actually to make low, like the waters in the flood, having no account. That's what they're saying. So we have to ask ourselves today, anyone who believes in the book and believes in Yeshua as the Messiah, are you going to be like these people?" and say, "You know what? The commandments of God, they are of no account to me. All I need is love or something crazy that sounds spiritual like that. But remember, we got to deal with the natural, okay, because the natural is alive and well in front of us. So, like I said, this is the 14th time that the, the people complained against uh, uh, Elohim and against Moses. And I do believe it was the, in some ways, we could look at it as the final solution was the fiery serpents to bite them. And obviously, what is it? It was here to show them the depth of how far they're just not paying attention or willing to obey. 14 times. And what happened just right before this? Oh, God, deliver our enemies into our hand and we'll devote everything to you. And hooray, the Father was with us. We overcame and all of a sudden, oh, I can't stand you and I can't stand Moses that you sent me and I can't stand the very words and your commandments because there's no water. Let's go back to the world. Let's go back to Egypt. We cannot have that mentality. Kenny. So basically because of their disobedience, And the sin that was generated from being ungrateful uh, gave the enemy legal jurisdiction to afflict them, and the enemy had received permission from Yah to carry out fighting the people and punishing them accordingly. They, They gave up their authority. Thank you, Kenny. So, now here's something else let's take into account. It says, you know, The people spoke against God and against Moses, okay? So we have plenty of people today. Oh, yeah, we don't speak against God, but we don't need Moses. We only have Jesus. We only have Yeshua. I would say look at the text. Because, see, Moses was a very important person. And when, when we go around and say that we don't need Moses anymore... I don't think that, that's a great theology. It doesn't work, especially when it was Elijah and Moses, right, <laughs> that met with Yeshua and said, yes, your mission is from the Most High. So let's remember that, Bobby.
3: And just a reminder as far as disobedience and the people, when it came to that snake, I thought I remembered it in the Bible elsewhere, and it, I think it was in Kings.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, yeah, Hezekiah actually had to destroy that pole because people had started worshipping it.
1: You're 100% correct.
3: And then you got to go also and look at, I mean, there's a time and a place for medicine, but you have the caduceus with the medicine that has snakes on it and a pole. Oh, something to yes,
1: I know that's become a symbol that we see on a lot of ambulances where it comes from that. Um, but the, the first part, yes, in Kings, Hezekiah, Hezekiah it was Hezekiah, you know, um, he, was, he was looked upon like a, a great king, you know, because he followed in the eyes of Yahuwah, did the things right, and he did tear down a lot of the idols and everything that was in the land, and then <laughs> it does say that he did smash this thing because people were burning incense to it, okay, so oh, so it's, uh, 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 it's quite interesting, and that's in itself is, a, I think, another interesting teaching that we could look at. But you're correct, sister, on that. Uh, Paul.
3: Yeah, just looking at the context of Numbers 21, because you're complaining about not having food and water, yet in Numbers 20, Uh, They did get water. They got it at Meribah, but yet their complaint in Numbers 20, verse 5 and 6 was that they didn't have figs, vines, pomegranates, and things like that they had had in Mitzrayim or Egypt. So they're making a comparison of what they had before, Mm -hmm. and they're saying, look, we don't have any food. Well, if they didn't have food, they wouldn't have been complaining about the bread, but it wasn't what they had had in Egypt. So it was more of saying, we are better off left in Egypt. Even though we cried to get out of Egypt, stuff was better there.
1: Exactly. And no, and that's a very good point to take home about what's going on. And again, it's like the 14th time this has come up. So we have to look at our lives. Are, is there going to be hardships that we're going to have? Yes. You know? And sometimes we've got to ask ourselves, are we the ones that are bringing the serpents into our camp? You know? So we we do have to be on guard he has called us to be uh to walk walk a a higher standard you know in front of all the people yes sister i'll get you and then um i want to share something else with you
5: and that's exactly my point that i was gonna make is like within our own lives is that many people and many of us we complain when we're told not to complain to be blessed and and glad for what we have that Yah has given us, including our lives, and that we are being refined and going through hard times, but many people in the world will take the broad road rather than the narrow road when the, because they think it's easier at you know to them to just do what they want, but in essence, to submit to Yah and do his will and take the narrow road, as Matthew says, we are better off. Even though it may be a little harder, it, he will make it easier for us. Yeah.
1: Thank you, sister. So what I, this section, what I want you to get out of this is obviously Messiah is comparing this. So we need to understand uh, uh, Maybe a little bit more. And to be honest, there's a lot more that's here as well. But let's uh, we can at least see that Yeshua is that last hope. If this was like the last solution, and they didn't complain anymore, the, Yeshua is the final solution to our problem. Okay? And the thing is, it always was. He was always that hope and that answer even beforehand, which I think is uh, really, really interesting. So... When we read this, let's not separate Yeshua from this story in Numbers and realize he is that hope, like I said. He is that solution. But the, to- the Torah, the commandments, the instructions, they're still there. They're still there. What love our Father has for us. So the serpent on a pole, it would be like a flagpole. Um, In Isaiah 30, it's up on a hill, and it has this idea of being a banner. You probably uh, know what verse or what section I'm going to go to here, real quick here. So it was raised as a standard in Isaiah 49, raised as a banner. Okay, something that you look upon, that you, that gives you a signal almost. So we can even see Yeshua is the last signal that humanity has, okay? I'm gonna go through, let me see. Yeah. Uh, yes, let's just head on, on through. Then it goes on so that whoever is, okay, this is gonna be really interesting. What did we just learn, this whole idea? Did you ever know John three sixteen? We all know that verse, right? We see it all. It is related to the serpents. In numbers. But you'd never thought about that before in that sense, huh? So everything that we just learned about in numbers. Then it goes on. So, so, so that whoever is believing or trusting in him, looking upon him, doing what he says, remember the Torah hasn't changed and is there, should not perish but possess everlasting life. For Elohim loved the world that he gave his only brought forth son so that everyone who believes in him or upon him or trusts in him should not perish but possess everlasting life. Now think about that in the context of the fiery serpents like Moses lifted up. Same principles apply.
0: Mark. Were you going to go to the barinash? The son of man and Daniel? Oh, uh, no, but please go ahead. So I've mentioned it before, so when I did a, this son of man all throughout the New Testament, just puzzled me and I wanted to try to get to the bottom of it. And so I did a word search on the phrase son of man and, and it always in the scripture comes up ben adam in Hebrew, ben adam, ben adam, ben adam, it's Hebrew word for son of man. And uh, ben, son, son of Adam is basically what it's saying in Hebrew except for one spot in the whole tanakh and it's in daniel chapter 7 verse 13. the english says son of man but that's not what it says in the hebrew the hebrew says bar enosh this phrase bar enosh means a divine being and daniel's talking about i kept looking in the night vision behold with the clouds of heaven one like a divine being was coming and he came up to the ancient of days, and so I tie this. I like to tie this into your text, your your verse here about the son of man must be lifted up, because I I believe he wasn't saying Ben Adam. I believe when he was referring to himself, he was always saying Bar Enosh, meaning I'm the divine being Daniel be talked up. about, and I'm the one in the clouds. I'm the one lifted up. Uh, yes, thank you, Mark.
1: Yes, uh, and that's a that's a very powerful title, and that's the one that, like I said, that he uses for himself. And no one else calls him that, as far as I can remember. Thank you, Mark. Seventeen, then we'll go on here. For Elohim did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world uh, but that that the world through him might be saved. Just like this serpent illustration that he just uh, just laid down for us. He who believes in him is not judged, but he who does not believe is judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only forth son of Elohim. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world. Where do we learn about the light? We already learned about it in the beginning of John, and we went through this. So I'm going to read it a little bit different here. And this is the judgment that the Torah or the commandments from God has come into the world. And men loved the darkness doing what they wanted rather than the commandments of the Most High, the Torah. For their works were wicked because their works didn't match up. Their theologies don't match up to Elohim's. For everyone who is practicing evil matters hates the light. So er, anyone's practicing other matters, their own matters that they want, they hate the Torah, they hate the commandments, they hate the Word of God because it doesn't match up to what they want to do in their life. Nowadays, it's going to be called hate speech. Okay? So for everyone who is practicing evil matters, hates the Torah, and does not come to the Torah, least his work should be exposed. Be exposed what is right and what is wrong. A standard. (coughs) Elohim has a standard for humanity. He's made humanity. He's called out how they should be and how they should behave. And if you don't like that, again, it's one of those things. Take it up with him. But the one doing the truth comes to the light. But the one who wants truth and actually seeking it and actually is doing truth, Comes to what? Comes to the Torah, comes to the commandments, so that his works are clearly seen that they have been worked in Elohim. Remember you just was talking about, we see your works. We know you're from Elohim because of what you're doing. See, that's where the Pharisees quite knew the things that he was doing. He has to be from Elohim. So we see this here. So this is all founded uh, on Moses raising the serpent looking upon the serpent did not make the law done away with or go away worked in Elohim what he says is right and wrong it's what he says is right and wrong not that we may think about it, think about it on our own self or get outside counsel think it's going to change the text So John 3.16 is related to the stories in Numbers. Only then can we see the true understanding of what Yeshua is saying and really what that verse is saying. So the next time you see the world uh, or everyone you see John 3.16, bring to mind the fiery serpents and that our only hope is Yeshua. Our only hope is Yeshua and the commandments in the Torah that he's brought for us for our lives. So their story is our story. We cannot get around that. They are the example of the natural teaching us about the spiritual walk. Believe, trust, have faith, have faith in. How do you believe in Him? All this, how do you believe in Him? How do you trust in Him? There's only one answer. And it's doing the Torah, doing these commandments, doing the things that are set down. And we have to ask ourselves, do do we do what he teaches? Anybody believes in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do you believe in Yeshua as your Messiah? Do you believe enough that you're doing what he's told you to do? These are questions that we have to ask ourselves all the time. And, and he's always refining us all the time as well. I know I'm not the only one getting disciplined all the time. Okay? What is he teaching us from Mount Sinai? That, we have to understand that. He was teaching everything. He wasn't teaching anything different. And if he was, he wouldn't have been resurrected from the dead if he taught anything different that was handed down to Moses. We would have had nothing to look at. We would have had no hope if he wasn't obeying what was written at Mount Sinai. So born again is to obey what Moses said. Probably never heard the born again and Moses together, huh? But it's quite clear that's what is going on here. Because born again is not a new concept. I, I hope I pointed it out a couple teachings ago. Anything different from this is a different spirit. Obviously the light is the Torah. Israel as a nation, and as individuals too, Israel was to be a son a servant, a light to the nations. And that has everything to do with the other part that I don't know if I'm going to get to. But it's about this serpent being raised on this flagpole and being called a sign, something that everyone looks to. Now, we, saw, we see Yeshua, we see it in Moses. And would you believe me that it had been foretold through the prophets and I'd like to show you that as well. Mark?
0: So I like what it's amazing. Again, we're going to find out how close some of the things are, both what you're speaking about and what I'm going to be speaking about. And so you, you, you've mentioned several times nothing new, what you know there's what's, what we see in the New Testament is founded and based on what's in the Tanakh. And so, s- the same concept of believer. So, the believer wasn't invented in the New Testament. In um, Isaiah 43, verse 10, it says, You are my witnesses, declares Yahuwah, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe. Ooh, here's the believers. <laughs> the believers weren't just reinstituted in the in, in the. Matthew and Mark, Luke and John, God's saying, I need all you believers to stand up. If you're a believer, stand up and raise your hand right here and here's why, so that you may believe me and understand that I am,
1: am he. he. Thank you Mark. That's very, very powerful. and it's amazing how much uh, how much I got to tell you is in Isaiah, that I've learned is more in an Isaiah than I ever thought was in Isaiah. So we're real short here, and what I wanna do is um, maybe give you homework, okay? So uh, uh,
4: real quick, Joe, and then. Okay, the judgment is that light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light. Well, Yeshua was the light, and like a light, he's a flashlight exposing the darkness. And anyone who is practicing evil hates that light because they don't, uh, they're in the darkness. They don't want that light, at least their work will be exposed. But the one doing the truth comes to the light, Yeshua. And this work is clearly saying it's the Torah.
1: Yes, excellent. Thank you, Joe. So what I want to do, we have to close here real soon. So we're, uh, we're talking about the serpent on that pole. Okay, and I want to show you, uh, um, and we're, we're going to discuss this next week. So what I want you to do, write this down. It'll be Isaiah 49, is where the verse is, but I want you to read Isaiah 49, uh, the whole chapter, because you really need the, whole, the context of what's going on. And remember, we're talking about a signal, a banner, something being lifted up for the people to look at and have hope, and have life. Because that's the same thing that we see what happened in the wilderness here in Numbers with the fiery serpents, and we obviously we can see it so clearly with Yeshua. So let's go in between and see how this message has been going on. And there's a part in there that um, we will read it next week, and I'll show you how much it is even more for us today of him bringing his children, his complete household, household together. So, what's that? Isaiah 49. The specific verse, but I, I want you to, Isaiah forty nine twenty two is the specific verse, but it's before and after. I'll play a part of that, and then play a part. And see other things that maybe the Most High reveals to you. I cuz if I started I have to I only have 1 minute left and that wouldn't be right <laughs> bottom line so um so I hope um if you have any questions um online you can uh just uh, respond there or if you have any other questions um uh you can see me after or bring them up next week but This comparison, I think, is an awesome comparison. And my hope is that you you see more that's going on in the text, that I know I see more going on than I ever thought was going on in the text, that he has given us a final solution. So let me close in prayer. Father Yahweh, we give you great thanks. Father, we thank you. We thank you and we believe your report of your son. Our hope, our redemption, him taking in the place of, of us, Father, because we, and forgive us, we have complained against you, and we have complained against Moses. We have complained against your laws. Forgive us, Father. Help us to be empowered by your Spirit so that may we can overcome and become the children that you desire us to be and the children that we desire to be, too, We thank you again, Yeshua. We thank you, Father Yahuwah for all you do. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm glad each and every one of you are here. Online, we thank you. And come back in about 30 minutes for our main service. Shabbat shalom.